This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Welcome to Garden of Sound, I'm your host Ian Turner. I encourage you to visit the Garden of Sound website right now at gardenofsound.nz and subscribe to the show. That means any new episode to the show will be automatically downloaded to your mobile phone or your computer as they become available. Up for grabs on today's show, a pair of tickets to see the awesome New Zealand band Decades at your choice of venue on their upcoming New Zealand tour. They're going to be in Christchurch on July 13th, Dunedin on the 14th, Auckland on the 20th and Wellington on the 21st. All you have to do is listen for a particularly tricky question at the end of the show. Also, tickets are now on sale for the very first Garden of Sound live gig. It's happening at Littleton Records on Tuesday the 31st of July and it'll be featuring some very cool upcoming bands. That event is sponsored by Creative Communities and Taha Sparkling Tonic. So head along to gardenofsound.nz right now to get your tickets. Today's guest is Moses Robbins. He grew up with a strong church faith around him and a very supportive family, and his talent for music shone at an early age. Now he's grown up, he's played with more than a share of touring bands and even supporting artists like Imagine Dragons. But fame and fortune ain't for the faint-hearted. So where will Moses' path lead next? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Moses Robbins on Plains FM 96.9. Moses, uh, what's the first memory you have of music in your life? I'm pretty sure it's bird song. So the sound of birds outside in terms of, of like melody, like complex melody, which I, I'd consider music. Um, I was born in Motueka, so we had a lot of birds and they sung, you know, quite late into the morning. But also I grew up in church, so evangelical, Pentecostal type. So I guess every Sunday... Thursday evenings, and then maybe Tuesday evenings. You know, it was probably at a at a venue, effectively, where there was live music being performed. Do you think, without the church, there would have been music in your life? Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like listen to music at home, um, on the radio and stuff. But again, that was quite limited, due to the nature of of the particular church. So, I wasn't exposed to much secular music. So between kind of 86 and 95, yeah, I'd heard a bit of Michael Jackson, a bit of Bon Jovi. Um, that was probably as rock and roll as you got. So where is your faith at the moment? Um, it's important for humans to have stories that provide answers or at least direction for some of the bigger questions like morality and, and mortality. And I think some of the, the traditional, more traditional stories um, have been very positive, you know, at getting us along, um, but it can also be quite negative as well, like anything. Tools, really, and we can use tools uh, for good or, or, or bad. <clears throat> so if it wasn't going to be music, what else was there in your life? I, I liked the idea of being a helicopter pilot. I really liked flight. Um Aeroplanes, just the mystery of flight. I used to dream about them a lot. And sport, obviously everyone wanted to be, every Kiwi kid who grew up eating their Weetbix wanted to be an all black. So was it that music took over 
Uh, well, so Q90, so now about 95 when I'm 10, we, mum got us out of that church and we moved to Christchurch to be closer to family. And at that point, I started falling asleep listening to C93 FM in 1995. And my brain just exploded, you know, because I was listening to Faith No More and Smashing Pumpkins and Pearl Jam and Soundgarden and Tool and... Alice in Chains and Stone Temple Pilots and Live and just the grunge movement and all the pop rock that was going on as well, like, you know, Oasis and just everything awesome, like band awesome, you know, guitars and drums and bass. And um, <clears throat> and I remember I used to dream, kind of have these semi-lucid dreams of songs and there's riffs that really stick with me, um, you know, from the likes of Smashing Pumpkins and Faith No More and... Uh, Pearl Jam and, and Nirvana and I would see myself playing the guitar and performing which was really odd because I didn't actually get into performance until kind of high school so it was another three or four years before I actually picked up the guitar even though there was always one lying around I hadn't I just wasn't ready um, so I think with sport mum didn't really want me to to play rugby and it was the first time I ever pulled out and once we moved to Christchurch first time I ever pulled out the kind of well if I had a dad card you know I was like it was the only time and it, it obviously it worked I was like well you know if I had a dad I'd be allowed to play rugby and um so what happened well next week I was at, at playing rugby you know how do you feel um, about that now putting your mum in that position Oh, fine, because it was only the once. It wasn't like I was a tear and did it all the time. It was like, it was my golden card. I knew that I could probably only use it once. Uh, and I'm glad I did. And rugby was awesome. Um, All-time favourite All Black? It's either Jeff Wilson or Frank Bunce, probably. We talked briefly about influences before, and you just reeled off pretty much all my favourite bands. Who, if you had to sort of pick out one, who would you say... It's really inspired you musically along the way. Yeah, it's a it's a real it's a real tough one, but um, I think when I finally started playing guitar, obviously I started to hear music differently. Um, and so even though it was rock, that I used to listen to rock stations, I was just drawn to that. Um, between between kind of ten and fourteen, when I actually started playing guitar. You know, I did, it wasn't like, I didn't think of hip-hop as hip-hop and rock as rock and pop as pop. It was just music, and I liked all of it. But then once I started playing guitar, I started hearing things differently and started to start to form, oh, okay, there's, that's what I'm into. Um, so one of the first bands that kind of, as I started to realise that, and with, with this fresh kind of um, pathways open in my brain in terms of appreciating the way that steel resonates or copper wound strings resonate along a wooden fretboard and, and how they can interact with pickups and, and make noise through amplifiers and speakers. And I started to look at music through that kind of um, scope and with with the inf I'd kind of mum had I'd out learned what mum could teach me in about a year, so she sent me on to my cousin, so obviously that, and he was a lot older than me, he'd already been through jazz school, naturally his, what he was into, had a big influence on me, 
so so tall was pretty seminal um in 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 terms of my informing uh forming my world music view which unfortunately is a pretty niche um and I was definitely that guy for a bit you know like Daddy Curry is the best drummer in the world. Tool is the best band in the world. Like I was that guy. But only when I, you know, only for a bit when I was like 14, 15. It wasn't like a it wasn't like I was in my thirties. Um, bless. But um and then Incubus. Incubus had a um, massive effect on me. Again, interesting band because um they are a band and if you watch me play guitar these days, you can pretty much trace back most of uh, my, um, you know, shapes and uh, even licks to an extent to, to, to some Incubus song, which effectively is, you know, their influences were the likes of Primus and, and Red Hot Chili Peppers. So there's definitely a groove, funk, but gritty aspect, I think. And then obviously Tool, there's a, there's a, there's a, a metal kind of... Or a, uh, there's aggression that 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 I really like in music. Is there a track from uh, any of those bands that you want to play today? There's not actually, but the track that I have chosen is by a band called Villagers, who are Scottish, and um, it's a track called Waves. And the reason I like it is because it's um, it's the first band that I've discovered, and fell in love with the album and hammed the album until I was sick of it since uh, since I can remember you know since those years and this is this is a while ago now I, I found these got this band about four years ago um, but I like this track for a few reasons it's kind of folky uh, but rocky and groovy and it actually tells a story and um, yeah, it's kind of, uh, something I'm into. And the cars and the trains 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Moses Robbins on 96.9 Plains FM. Moses, can I ask what the first musical um, event or concert, something that you paid money to see, what was that? Um, it, it would have been about 1995 or six at the at Majestic House, and it was uh, it was actually Stereogram and a band called Wash. Who were on a national tour, not exclusively like churches and youth groups, but because they had those uh, relationships, there was a bit of that going on. Um, yeah, and that was kind of the first gig gig that I'd gone to, um, even though it was kind of part of like youth group, you know. 
Like we brought our Goldcoin donation or whatever and went and watched the rock band. Um, yeah, and I remember thinking, oh, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I was right into it. Were you inspired by that particular group to, to get out there more and do your own thing? No, not at all. I mean, the uh, I think, like, I just always had performed, um, you know, at school and in production. Um, I just had to, you know. Even after rugby, I got in, you know, once I realised there's no more rugby, I got into skateboarding, you know, because yeah, you still get punished, but yet it's kind of just you versus the concrete, and you kind of get to choose where and how you get hit. Um, uh but again, it's still quite a solo, there's a performance aspect, well for me there was to skateboarding, you know. In terms of getting up there and doing it kind of thing, it was it's just, once I started playing guitar and doing it more and more and more, it was just the natural progression. It was never like, oh my gosh, I could go and do this. It's just like, well, this is, I'd, I'd perform with whatever I've got on hand anyway, in whatever context or wherever I am. So it's just another avenue to to perform it just so happened i got better at it than everything else so it's kind of stuck so all of this performance down the years and so on i want to hear about some uh, some bad times on stage or <laughs> so if, uh, it's probably fast tracking quite a bit because i was i was quite as i started performing through rock west and all that once i'd reached the point i kind of asked after my main kind of break i remember getting asked to play to open for Kyra Knife Fight, and this was back when it was still, it was the big band, so you had like Richie Picard on bass, and like Kate and Roz were backup singers, and Aaron was in the band, and I think Sam Taylor had just joined as well, and they were playing as part of the Crushers Jazz Festival out at the Loons in Littleton, and this would have been, this was before the earthquakes, but close, so I think about maybe 2010, or 29, and I had some medical stuff going on, so there's some issues there, but that didn't actually inhibit me playing. And it's an interesting one, because I'm sure there are actually worse stories, but I've probably blocked them out, you know, if they were really that bad, because um, I've played a lot, a lot of shows. Um, but this show just kind of, it just kind of flopped, like within... It was like full house, humming, super cool vibe. Um, I got up there with my acoustic guitar, still playing solo at this point. I wasn't like looping or doing anything, just me and guitar. And, you know, everyone was quiet. And I started, and I kind of just... I remember I'd picked a song that I just wanted to give it a go, and I just didn't come in strong. And it wasn't that it was like horrible. It was just that it was... Like, I just didn't own it. I didn't own the opportunity and I didn't, like, smash them in the face. And so, you know, within 30 seconds, people were kind of mumbling, and it's like I'm background music all of a sudden at what should be a performance. Like, people who give a shit about music have turned up and paid good money to see great acts as part of a proper festival. Um, so that was a real good, humbling ex but kind of brutal ex experience. Because it wasn't that... Well, like, I was ready... And I could have nailed it. I don't know whether it was a case of... Like, and it wasn't even that I was cocky, because I remember being excited and pretty amped about it. Um, 
I did have some other things going on just with with my health. I had a bit of an infection, but again, it was it was just it was just a it was just a really healthy growing experience. Um, understanding that like every show you've got to you you have to get up there and you have to smash it out of the park. You can't just kind of just be like the chilled out entertainer. Like it's kind of all or nothing. And when you get those shots, like where it's like kind of a next level gig, like you've got to treat it like that and, and really, really smash it out of the park. And I failed on that particular day. I failed to do that. What did that mean for you long term though? Oh, nothing. It was just a, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was she had at the Viper room telling jokes about police after nine eleven. Um, you know, uh, so it was fine, but it was, um, it definitely left a lasting impact in terms of, um, just respecting the performance and each gig on its own merit. Have you got a favourite piece of music or a favourite track that you've always kept coming back to? Something that sort of stayed with you for... Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, it's, um, Choppin', Mr. Frederick, and it's, um, OP9, um, two and the reason I like it is it reminds me of my grandparents and they were a very safe space for me when we first moved down to Christchurch and mum was trying to reintegrate into life she was off studying to be a teacher my sister had gone on was doing her own life and it was kind of just me and the world and no longer this kind of weird Christian control um, but Graham, you know, Graham would always have concert radio concert on in the car, and yeah, Chopin, and in particular these, yeah, from OP nine one and two have always stuck in my head. I think it's just like the way it cascades and just moves and takes you on a journey, but then it's just one piano and it's one piece. And there's there's so much depth and dynamic and uh, intensity to it, and ultimately just authenticity, which which for me is my personal measure of what I've learned, what I strive to do uh, with with music. It's my measure of success if I'm writing a piece or playing a show. You know, is it authentic? And it's also the filter through which I judge other music. But yeah, Chopin, however you say it. This is probably my favourite piece of music ever.
You're listening to The Garden of Sound interview with Moses Robbins. Before we continue the interview, I'd just like to remind you that the very first Garden of Sound live gig is happening on Tuesday, the 31st of July at Littleton Records. It's an opportunity for you to hear the bands of tomorrow before they get big, and it's going to be an amazing night. The event is sponsored by Creative Communities and Taha Sparkling Tonic, so head along to gardenofsound.nz right now to get your tickets. For less than the price of a movie ticket, you are going to have an amazing night. You're listening to the Garden of Sound interview with Moses Robbins on 96.9 Plains FM. Moses, um, I want to talk about your music making process, how songs get created in your head and then out in the world. How does that happen for you? Well, it generally starts with rhythm. Uh, so like a pulse or like an attitude. Um, yeah, probably more like a feeling or an attitude, like something has made me curious. No, it's generally reactionary. It's an attitude, like something's kind of wound me up. And then it might be immediate. It might take a few days, but then... There'll be a rhythm, I might just be tapping it, or like mumbling it, or just singing it in the shower, mumbling it while I cook, and then as soon as I sit down and apply that to the acoustic guitar, or I'm doing a lot with like a vocal processor at the moment, mostly just for creating purposes, um, so I might loop like a beatbox, and then I'll start to explore melody generally through like a guitar line like chords it might be like quite paddy or like um long kind of extended chords and might establish that as a bed um and then loop that and then play on top of that um and then often it'll go like I'll once there's a rhythm going, or a melody, or that, that bed, uh, on top of that, which might just be a few chords or a progression on an acoustic guitar, for example, um, I'll just kind of start mumbling, rhythmic, melodic mumbling, um, and then that sets, once that kind of forms a pattern, that then at least creates... Um, a framework to then write words to um, and I find that the easiest way to do it um, sometimes uh, I'll just write the words it'll be a very specific message that I have in my mind and I'll write the words but interestingly for the 15 for the 16 years that I've been playing music um, coming up with the idea or that spark of inspiration or creating like what most people would go, whoa, that's a song. Um, that's, there's hundreds, possibly thousands of, of that. And <clears throat> now the next phase for me is, um, is actually, actually the completion of it. So taking, taking, an idea 
which is like, oh, this is like a nice line and it kind of tells a story and oh, and then it develops into this bit and that's cool and then it, oh, it goes back and we learn a bit more and oh, the chorus is back and that's strong and here's our change and then we see it out on the final chorus. Um, taking, taking that and then actually turning it into like a completed song, really. That, what? That, yeah, that's kind of the next step for me. What's your What's your block when you say you've got thousands of those little... Little pieces. What's stopping you from? Uh, traditionally, probably mixed, mixed, equal parts um, insecurity and self worth, uh, and equal parts just not being ready. Yeah, ultimately not being ready because I also recognise that once you kind of start. Um, and again, I've been incredibly fortunate, like quite privileged to have a uh, quite a while in the perspective of of the industry and, and the the commercial side side of music and how it gets released and, and and what that means for someone who identifies as a musician, writes original music, goes out, tries to throw gigs. And then what the reality of what that means when you start dealing with management, um, you're looking to engage partners to invest money in you to promote you or record you or whatever. Um, and then that dynamic between sort of management or the industry gatekeepers, I guess, and, and the way that they uh, interface with radio on your behalf or in these days streaming services like Spotify. So I've got a really good handle on that. So in, in, in a way, a lot of my friends and a lot of the people who support me and always have and always will get really frustrated because they're like, oh man, there's just it's all there. Like, what aren't you doing? And I've just I've just had this conviction inside of me that it's fine. Like, I'm just getting it to where it needs to be for me because once we kind of press go it doesn't stop and like it's kind of on and at that point I've got to have all my other affairs bagged and tagged tied up because it's kind of gonna that's it you know okay so can we hear something that you've written and recorded that you're happy with I can play you something that I've been involved with cool which is relatively current all I'm actually doing on this is playing bass and and as far as Apra is concerned in our relationship with the band, it's 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 Jed Parsons' song. Um, but if you talk to him candidly, you'd be like, yeah, you know, Moses like wrote the bass, and and the concept is is effectively um, a meme that we've off, we've shared over our years of of musical camaraderie. Um, and it's called Everybody's Stupid, and. I love it, it's really fun. Check out the video too. And just to clarify, yeah, I'm playing the bass on this. Thank you. 
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Moses Robbins on Plains FM 96.9. Apart from your upcoming greatest hits, uh, what would be your best musical memory or your most rewarding project? Pretty fun memory was was playing with uh, House of Mountain, who um, it's not that we're, we're not a band. I think we'll always be a band, but we're just not active at the moment. <clears throat> But we opened for um, American kind of pop rock extraordinaires, Imagine Dragons, at Horncastle Arena uh, just on a couple of years ago. And that was pretty cool because it was 6,000 plus people and just the three of us playing to them. So that was really fun. That was cool. But I think... Um, Played in heaps of really fun projects and had amazing times and experiences, but I think uh, playing playing in Atlas was pretty formative. So um, after Zed kind of fell apart and Ben Campbell's father passed away and he moved, you know, had came back from Germany where I think Zed were recording their fourth studio album and did the family bars and then. Um, started reconnecting with his family him and his sister started a project they met an American guy over in LA because Ben's sister was performing backup vocals with like Robert Plant or like Chicago or something which is real mean and they met this young American dude from Kentucky the three of them got on really well harmonised really well together they brought him back out to New Zealand and were playing and writing and recording here in Christchurch at Ben's house over in Addington, in fact. He got some press shots done with a dude called Logan McMillan, who was uh, working in the office space where I was working with my cousin who had been teaching me guitar. 
at this point we were now selling guitar lessons on the internet and I met yeah I met Ben Campbell and long story short I ended up joining his band and kind of went from you know playing around playing at pubs and and stuff to um like we're on tv and on the radio and went on tour with the feelers and all that kind of care I was like 19 it was pretty cool it was pretty outrageous and then but I yeah I I chose to kind of not move to Auckland and do the whole oh we're really doing it I kind of felt that um one I wasn't ready and that that lifestyle would eat me up which it would have on reflection and two that the band wasn't really ready um like the songs were there but we still weren't a band band and um that's very mature for a 19 year old yeah it's kind of just a little bit poxy as well a little bit lucky i think again it was probably a mixture of my um my own self or lack of self-esteem slash guardian angel slash just fortunate you know um but still very proud that one of so Sean and I actually even though we were living in a house together for nine months or something we only ever wrote two songs together um, both of them made the album and one of them went on to um, I think be like still the longest standing number one in New Zealand by a New Zealand band so a band so that's not including like Dave Dobbin or and that was a song called Crawl, and it was there was a guitar lick that I'd or kind of riff that I'd always been playing around with. I showed it to Sean, he started singing over it, and then I was like, and then we should go here for the chorus. He started singing over that, and then boom, that's pretty much the guts of the song. That's when Ben Campbell's talent really comes in. As soon as he's got that, he's actually a phenomenal producer, and I'm sure he will who will always find his way back to music. Um, yeah. So that was really cool that that was there. And I, I think there's there's always a bit of, uh, I guess it's like street cred. It's, uh, you know, it's, there's this underground like, I mean, it's expiring and I've still got to follow through and be me and be like, it wasn't a fluke. Um, but I'm proud of the fact that I've still got, for anybody that it matters or understands, that's quite a cool kind of notch on my belt, but nobody really knows knows, which is also cool because it means that I'm not associated with that. Does that make sense? Yeah. Talking from like a branding and also pers per person like perspective. So yeah, that's probably it. Playing, playing in a stadium, to heaps of people, and then that that project having a um, yeah, number one. In What's Ben doing these country. days? Ben is um, running a wonderful restaurant out in Akaroa. I think he's going to be the mayor of that town, and he's cool. And he's still he's still involved in music. He's always he's all he'll, he'll never he'll never not be involved in it. Like, there will always be one little project. So obviously working quite closely with Hera, who's over in Iceland at the moment, working on her next album. So, you know, he's always got... He'll always pull one out of the bag, yeah, yeah, which is cool. 
post the greatest hits coming yeah. by the end of summer, or at least uh, two or three tracks, five or ten years, what's happening for Moses Robbins? It's it's travel, really. Like I, I love the idea of travel, but I hate the idea of just being a, like going over somewhere and just gawking and wandering around with a backpack, and, I, and you know I can't. I have to when I go somewhere. I have to integrate and I have to add value to the the so travel is you know it's, uh, um the the dream is definitely uh probably a like a sold out world tour maybe three hundred dates but do it over like do it over two years yeah so you don't lose your mind and you can actually take a bit of time in a couple of places what are the points you need to hit in order to make that happen what sort of markers have you got in your mind how many albums do you need to sell or how many followers do you need to have or how many gigs throughout new zealand is there a oh i think it what it's how long's a piece of string but but for it to be viable i mean you could i i, I know of projects who have spent money just going and doing that, but nobody turns up to the shows. <clears throat> so for it to be viable, and you know, it's just economics. It's um, and and the reason my day job is my day job. I've got my own business, and I work in online marketing, and I do that specifically for music and entertainment. While I'm slowly moving into it, it's it's all been part of the same plan. Uh, but it's just effectively economics. You you hit your channels, and yeah, sure you you target terrestrial means like radio and television for certain areas um, or territories. Uh, and if you get bites, then you do your due diligence. Is it viable to go there? What does that look like? Is it worth it to develop the brand, and then you go there? Um, so I guess it's just de it's demand, right? You just you just develop the brand, which you can do online these days, um, especially if you've got audio and video production skills and online marketing skills, and then the product in and of itself is good, and you you just uh, take the product to market, and if there's demand, then you go where the demand is. Last query for you. Uh, what do you tell a um, a mid-teens Moses Robbins? What's your What's your tip to that young person? Oh man, just do don't worry about hits. Like learn learn as much as you can about your craft. Understand that music and the industry is work. Um, it's work. Don't get into music if it's it, because you don't want a real job. Like because it's worse than a real job because it's harder and you you don't actually get paid. Um, and I'd also say be... Just get really, 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 really good. And not good as in flash or awesome, but good as in like authentic. Like treat your instrument and your craft with respect and um, listen to everything learn just learn just embrace and 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 like serve your community um and there's so much i don't know if there's one nugget it's just 
but yeah I think and the biggest thing too I think the biggest fallacy is I think a lot of people think that being a, a muso is like you, like you can't go and you can't go and do computer programming and still be in a, a commercially viable band or even just an awesome art project like you can you can literally you can do whatever you want especially if you're growing up here in New Zealand like the privilege is just is dripping off us like we but we basically bathe in our own privileged filth when we when we when we shower you know um you can actually do whatever you want um so just do it like if you actually want to do the thing just um just do it yeah is there a track you want to play us out with today there is and the reason it's a special track is uh because it's a band that is now emma's favorite band and Emma and I are pretty um pretty close. We do a lot of music stuff together. And Emma Yeah, uh, Emma Cameron of hit New Zealand rock band Decades. Uh-huh. Um yeah, a Scottish band, which is cool, three piece, rock, um, same era as Nirvana and all that. Somehow they've just like kept an audience, so their label keeps giving them money and they keep doing albums. It's Thirty years. And keep doing tours. Yeah. And this particular track is called Biblical and I like it because And the band is? Uh, they're called Biffy Clyro. One thing I love about this band is they are the kings of the ultra chorus. So you have your verse, and you're like, this is cool. And then they're like, oh, pre-chorus, that's sneaky. And then you're like, whoa, well, yeah, we're in the chorus. Nice. And then you're like, whoa, extra chorus. Like the ultra chorus. They do that heaps, and I, I just love it. Um, so, yeah, Biffy Clyro. Baby, if you could, would you go back to the start? Take any fresh steps or watch it all fall apart again. Turns in gold. <laughs> <laughs> 
fall apart again. Thanks for joining me today. This week's guest was Moses Robbins. You can find out more about Moses and listen to a show-specific playlist made up of all the tracks Moses talked about today by visiting gardenofsound.nz. I mentioned at the start of the program there's a pair of tickets up for grabs to see the awesome New Zealand band Decades at your choice of venue on their upcoming New Zealand tour. To win, all you have to do is be the first person to correctly answer this question. Who is Moses' favourite All Black of all time? That question again, who is Moses' favourite All Black of all time? Head along to gardenofsound.nz right now and look for the win tab. The first correct entry will win a pair of tickets to see Decades live on their upcoming New Zealand tour. And please do put Tuesday the 31st of July in your calendar. That's when the first Garden of Sound live gig will be happening at Littleton Records. Tickets are available right now at gardenofsound.nz. Thanks for joining me this week. I'm Ian Turner and this has been Garden of Sound. <laughs>